Hi, this is Ben Christo from the Sisters of Mercy, and you can check me out on the Become Guitarist Today podcast. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 185. My guest today, Ben Christo from the band Sisters of Mercy. So Sisters of Mercy are coming out to Australia and New Zealand later this year. So make sure you check out the, the link in the show notes so you can see all the dates when they are performing. So in today's podcast, Ben lets us know all about the band, how he got the job, which is a really interesting story. So make sure you listen out for that one. Ben even gives us a little sample of some of the songs on the guitar. So make sure you listen out to the end where Ben shares a great story about Tony Iommi. Now, thank you to my sponsors, Custom Guitar Picks, Arnold Krakowka, and Musician. Now, I do have one more pass left for anyone wanting a Musician three-month free pass. So make sure you donate to the podcast and you can get a free pass for Musician. And now is a really good time to get it as they have a Metallica special on. So the Metallica course covers all interviews and demonstrations of some of their songs with the guys from Metallica. Or otherwise, you can get a discount by putting in BAGT30 when you check out from the app. So let's go all the way over to the UK for my interview with Ben. All right, well, welcome, Ben Christo, to the podcast. Hey, Adam. How's it going? Yeah, good, man. Thanks thanks for doing this in a strange hour for you and the time difference and everything. I appreciate it. No, no problem. So you're in the UK at the moment? Yeah. Excellent. So that's where you're pretty much situated, isn't it, over there? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've I've lived in a number of places in the UK. Uh, currently in Liverpool, mm-hmm. um, but I pre- I'm from Bristol, and then I lived in London for a long time. Okay, uh, excellent. So we've got the uh, tour coming out in October, November with the Sisters of Mercy. Yeah. So what can we expect? Well, if it's anything like what we've been doing the last few months, it will be a really nice balance of greatest hits and a lot of new stuff that we've written together as a band, as this band, mm. which is super exciting because it's the first time, I think, in many years when the set list has been heavily weighted on the band's, on, sorry, on the members who are actually in the band at this time. Okay. So there's a, not only is there a sense of musical consistency, but there's a, uh, a sense of, camaraderie and congruity between the members of we've done this together this is our band this is our music which is really nice yeah because you've been in the band quite a while now haven't you since 2006 yeah correct yeah yeah so um so to finally be able to actually write prolifically for the band is, is really exciting it's it's a large part of it has been the addition of dylan smith who's a an australian yeah <laughs> um and uh, as 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 the guitar player, he's he was a friend of mine for many many years. He comes from the same place as I do, as a, a teenage fan of the band of the Sisters of Mercy. So when we write music together, we're able to write. Well, what would we want to hear as fans of this band? Yeah. And that's and that's really that's really good. And it's it's been really exciting that the feedback that we've got um, from the fans and from from press about the new material has been really positive. In fact, one um, really good Swedish writer said that. It's like it's Sisters 4.0. It's completely new, but it's still Sisters. And that means a great deal to me as someone who has held this band in high regard to be part of, of, of a new era. With Dylan, was it, the, was it the iNation you guys first had together or you just jammed together? 
Well, I Nation was his solo project, and he just asked me to come and play a few shows with him. Okay. And I really liked I liked his music. I liked him, and I liked the challenge. And so we went out and did a couple of shows, and they were really, really good fun. And he's one of these multi-instrumentalists. He can do everything. He can play everything. Um, and um, when the opportunity came up for a new guitar player, it was one of those wood for the trees thing. I thought of so many other people before I thought of him. And then suddenly it was like, what the hell am I thinking? Dylan, <laughs> it's got to be him. Yeah. Um, and, and since he's been a part of this, it's just been, it's just been really exciting and, and prolific in terms of this, this songwriting. Mm. So I saw one of the videos, um, was it Hellfest? I think you guys did 2019? Yeah. Yeah, you guys worked yeah, really well together. Yeah, and that was the first show that we'd ever done together. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and then it, it just built and built from there. And um, I think what's when it comes to the songwriting, he's 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 so good at acoustic, and he can do every sort of acoustic style. And he's a multi instrumentalist, like I said. So he'll bring these huge, like kind of expansive, epic songs, and I'll bring what I consider to be just a really strong rock song. Yeah. And then we can meld these things together and 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 sound soundboard off each other and be each other's like editors and. Um, obviously, Andrew also will come in and say that doesn't work. This does work, and and then we work really, really well together. Also, it's great writing songs when you know that it's actually going to be played to a big audience. Whereas <laughs> with our own with our own bands, it's always been well. I don't know. Is anyone going to turn up? But <laughs> with this, you're like, well, we know we're going to go out and play to two thousand people a night. So yeah. write a song with that in mind. It's it's exciting. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, I was just going to ask you that. Do, yeah, do you find a different? writing songs for Sister of Mercy rather than you know, the other bands where, but I think you pretty much answered that yeah, as far as having those anthem songs where people can sing along to and um, writing a little bit differently, I guess. Yeah. It's, um, it's challenging to write stuff for the sisters because you have to do less and make it more effective. Yep. So I'll be, I, 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 when, we're, when we're writing any kind of guitar lead lines, it's pretty much got to be three notes. It can't really be any more. Yeah. And then how do you how do you create something with three notes that hasn't been done before that's interesting that's different that sounds like the band? It can be quite challenging. But when you when you when you when we've come up with stuff that we're really happy with, it's been quite um, quite euphoric. Um, and there's there's I think it's just the first song that comes to my mind. There's a song called Eyes of Caligula in in the set which is going down really really well, and like. It's just this. Just get the, I'm going to play for you now. Yeah, cool. <laughs> um, this is the main riff, right? That's it. Okay. But it's the, it's the sound that we have with it's the, you know, the really kind of wet, reverby, clean strat sound. Yep. It's the chords that are changing underneath it. It's the it's it's the um, it's the mood, it's the feel. That some, like, w w with one of my own bands, I'd probably think, well, there's, no, there's not really anything to that. How can that really be a song? There needs to be more. Yeah. Uh, but with the sisters, it, as cliched as it is, less definitely is more. And you think about songs like Dominion, where it is just... Um... And that's the song. Yeah. But everything else comes in and makes it the song, the way the chords change, the way the song builds, the lyrics, the vibe, the feel, the atmosphere, the themes. And so you have to think in quite a different way when you are writing for the sisters in a very minimal way, which somehow then becomes something huge. 
even though it's very minimal. Yeah. So it's definitely an interesting way of doing stuff, but I, I like it and it's really helped my songwriting for my own bands as well. Thinking in that way of, okay, this, let's, take, let's take more out, let's take more out, take more away. So that's been cool. Yeah, that's unreal. So with Dylan, um, how long has he been living over there? Is he, I'm guessing he's living in England, is he? Well, I met him in London, but he actually, since then, spent some time living in Sweden and he currently is in the Netherlands. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. So he's, he's, very, um, he's very global. I think we all like to think of ourselves as Europeans rather yeah. than um, rather than necessarily being white. Well, I mean, he's, he's Aussie, but I guess yeah. we, we, we feel that we can... Um, we, 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 the, the band is yeah. a very European band. Yeah, we, we come under the same queen, so... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so with the drums, is that the guy behind you? Is he doing all the, the drum programming like live or is that actually like a drum track that you guys play along to? So it's been programmed. Um, he's programmed it previously yeah. and the, there's other stuff that he'll put in there, percussion, strings. Um, that's all part of Dr. Avalanche. Dr. Avalanche is the machine. Dr. Avalanche yeah. has always been the machine. And Dave is the nurse to the doctor. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how it works. And then, um, and so the bass is also on there as well. Huh. Um, so there's a, so the doctor actually does quite a lot. And the nice thing that the doctor can do that uh, a normal drummer can't do is, first of all, play the songs exactly the same every night. Um, <laughs> but um, I mean, but there's, there's, plus and, there's plus and points to both. I mean, I miss playing with a live drummer. And when I did play with a live drummer earlier this year, it was great. Mm. I played with um, a guy called Ricky Warwick, and we had a great, a great, great drummer um, called, called Jack. Um, Jack from um, Attacks the Heat. And getting to play again with with a, with a live drummer, it's so exciting and so vibey and so groovy, and it works for that band. Yep. With the sisters, it's you need the machine, you need the industrial feel, you need the yep. um, the because we all kind of are more fluid around it. Mm. The 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 foundation of of the machine, which is the doctor, allows us to be more sparing with what we do, more sparse with what we do, and more fluid with what we do, vocally yep. and guitar wise. Um, because you've got that locked down um, <laughs> foundation. And also the, there's so many details and nuances that are on the dock uh, in terms of, as I say, like percussion and, and stuff that, that brings so many kind of um, sophisticated elements to it. So mm. it's a really important part of the band. Yeah. So you guys have to be like straight on all the time, don't you? Like there's no room for mistakes. <laughs> Yeah, because you can't you can't like try and fix things on stage if there's yeah. like a, a major. I mean, that there, there, of course, with every band, there have been there have been bits where things have gone wrong, and fortunately, we've been able to fix it on the fly yeah. of just like okay, we'll we'll just go in halfway through or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it does mean that you don't have that flexibility of going to the drummer. Okay, now let's start it again now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, too. But when you get to your solos, though, like you, that's when you just go, you know, crazy and do some stuff there. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I, I tend to play in a very minimal style, although what it does mean is that I can just go with whatever I feel on the night. Mm. So there are certain pieces that are written to be, it's a tune. That's a little kind of musical piece in itself within the song. Yeah. Um, and th there are others where it's more like, well, it's got this kind of a vibe, so let's just play that kind of a vibe in whatever way I feel tonight. Mm. 
well, I guess it saves a lot of time with uh, sound checks as well. They don't have to spend an hour just on the drums. Boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a very good point. Yeah, very good point. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. No, oh, it sounds like a great show. So it's actually, you're doing Australia and New Zealand. On this yes. Um, yeah, so Auckland and Wellington in, in New Zealand, yeah. Yeah. And so you've been here before? Yeah, uh, two times. So once in 2012. We did uh, we did the Soundwave Festival, the touring Soundwave Festival. Oh yeah, of course, yes, that's right. Is that the one uh, with Metallica? I think so. 2012, I can't really remember, but I know Machine Head were on it. I know Blink 182 was on it. Um, Limp Biscuit, Lincoln Park, Strung Out was on it. I because uh, they're one of my favourite punk bands. And I remember that I got to meet them, which was in Adelaide. We played in this prison, this converted prison, okay. which was yeah. awesome. Um, <laughs> And then we came back in and we, we did a tour in 2019, which was one of the last mm. last things the band did. Apparently, it was one of the last gigs a lot of people went to um, because wow. it was October, November 2019. Okay. Yeah. Now, talk about some of your other bands. Uh, do you still have a lot of them going, like Diamond Black and um, Shot Through the Dark? Are they still running? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, with uh, Shot Through the Heart, it was... Um, that was always a covers. It was a covers thing. It was more of a. It was more of a night. It was a, a night where we. I put a band together and we would play at a club once a month covers of a very particular sort of music, eighties hard rock. So that would be everything from on the softest end, something like Hearts, on the heaviest end, something like Judas Priest. But all this kind of like eighties rock stuff, and so mostly it was the stuff in between. You know, Def Leppard, Bon Jovi, Dokken, Winger. Um, rats, Skid yep. Row, that sort of thing. Yeah. Because I love that music, and I, I've met like-minded people in the scene who love that music too. We're like, let's do it properly. Let's do a night where we play all these tunes, but we do it really well. We really, really get all the vocal harmonies down. The guitar solos are the way they should be. The sound is really good. Mm. Plus, let's not let's do the interesting songs by these bands. Let's not just do the most obvious shit that you hear every time. Let's do songs from the highway to hell album but not highway to hell <laughs> let's let's do girls got rhythm let's do shot down in flames let's do beating around the bush you know these are all massive songs yeah. why don't we do those and, and and people's response to it people were just blown away that they were actually hearing these songs live these songs that they absolutely loved mm. um they were hearing them actually played live so that was a really exciting thing that we did for a few years and it was really just a passion project it was never anything that was necessarily going to be a job it was just mm. something that we loved doing and and um i got like guests to come up and sometimes we had some quite um well-known guests come up and sing a song or play a guitar solo um as, as the night grew and became became more popular That's cool. and then that was a, that was a really cool thing and, and i tend potentially I, I, there will be another one perhaps like a christmas special but as the years went on I cut it down because it was taking up so much time yeah. for something that ultimately did didn't really wasn't didn't really make any any money. And although it wasn't about that, it yeah. meant I was spending a lot of time doing something that wasn't actually generating any revenue for me, yeah. um, which you just can't sustain as a as a musician. Yeah, um, sure. So I cut it down to make it something where we'll do maybe three or four a year and they'll be special like a summer special christmas special that sort of thing so i'm thinking we'll probably do one at the end of this year um okay. and of course you know the pandemic shut that down a lot but um, yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure but yeah but yeah that's that's been a really good fun thing yeah 
Now, did I say shot through the dark or shot through the heart? <laughs> you, you, said dark, you, you said dark. I think you were thinking of... Um, of oh, the Oscar. 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 Yeah. Oscar. yeah. <laughs> I thought I did. <laughs> Sorry about yeah. that. That's all right. It's always... That's, it's another classic metal rock thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was going to ask you too, because I, I saw somewhere that um, you guys did a Firehouse song, because I'm a huge Firehouse fan. Now, Bill Leverty was actually one of my first guests on the podcast back in 2017. Oh, wow. We did, we did all she wrote, and then we also oh, cool. started doing, which was obviously the classic, hmm. um, with all the three-part harmonies everything. Um, but then we started doing Helpless as well from the same album. It's the last track. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and so we were talking about doing, I think, either Reach for the Sky or, hmm. um, or Hold Your Fire. Um, but we, we might bust out next time around. But again, it was just yeah. great finding people on the scene who knew that band and who were passionate about it. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and as well as like Firehouse, we would do Harem Scarum, Danger Danger, Hardline, um, yep. Mr. Mr. Big, like all these great bands that perhaps your average punter wouldn't know. Yep. But what was great about it was that we'd get a real loyal following of people who would come along and go, I can't fucking believe they did that song yep. by Enough's Enough. I can't believe they didn't do that song by Winger. Yeah. Um, people who were really passionate about the genre, um, like who'd really gone into the depths of the genre like we had, yet we'd still play enough songs for your average like rock fan to go, oh yeah, and I know that Aerosmith song, I know that ACDC song. That's great, yeah. Um, yeah, so I played with Firehouse back in uh, 1996, our band supported them over in uh, Indonesia, and they were huge over there, like just massive. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, that's, that must have been amazing. What was that like? Yeah, it was really good. I mean, I was part of the, um, like a house band at the Hard Rock Cafe. We played every night of the week and then we supported the bands that come over. So, yeah, back, back, back when the hair was down here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, uh, with, with my, my previous band, Night by Night, that was a kind of a combination of classic rock and, and more of a modern sound. We uh, we got like a really good review from Bill Levity. He really liked the stuff, oh, good. Yeah. and and he gave us this quote to use about how good he thought it was, which was amazing. Um, yes. When 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 the people that you've grown up listening to are saying that your band is good, and we publicly <laughs> will say that, that's yes. for me. For me, that's a real. That's that's what I think success really is. Like if you were going to try and define what you think success is, I think yep. it's getting getting like praise from your peers, from the mm -hmm. people that you aspire. Um, and who influenced you and also I think success is having a profound effect on people across whether that be 10 people or 10,000 people that your music helps them in some way exactly yeah. um so yeah that that levity thing was definitely a case of, of of the first thing of getting that um that endorsement that we also managed to get from Rick Savage of Def Leppard um mm. and um Kane Roberts who played for Alice Cooper for a while he really liked our stuff as well, so it was just great. These 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 guitar heroes and music heroes saying, "Hey, you're, I like your band." It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Bill's great. I mean, I pretty much kept in contact with him over the years, and you know, like I said, he's on the podcast. And I, during the pandemic, I put like a video together of people playing a solo in uh, a minor pentatonic, and uh, you know, Bill was one of them, and he did this solo just using the one scale. And it, was, it was really cool just to have him on there. <laughs> yeah, well, he's. You can tell it's him when he plays. It's one of the, the few kind of guitarists of that era that you mm. know it's him when you hear it and you know it's him. He's very, like Andy Timmons, like um, like Pete Lesperance from Harem Scarum. They're they've, they've guitarists who were kind of unsung heroes of that, of that genre and of that era. 
yeah. were much better than a lot of the guitarists who got recognized because the bands were bigger or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Because like Timmons, Levity, Lesperance are so creative with their lead playing and uh, they, they, they've got their own voice completely on the fretboard. Yep. So yeah, I could I could see why why you why levity would make such a a great contribution yeah. in that way. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Have you heard his solo albums? Uh, I don't think I have. What should I listen to? Uh, he's got a few out there at the moment. Actually, he's got like four solo or four or five solo albums. What's, um, what's a good? What's in your opinion? Where should I start? It's called Divided We Fall. And is it stylistically? How would you describe it? Uh, this one, I mean, it's similar to Firehouse, I guess. Like, I think oh, Michael, okay. Michael Foster plays on, you know, the drums. And basically, it's yeah, got a bit of his own little flavour into it. Yeah, it's really cool. Does he sing? Yeah, yeah, he sings and plays. He sing, does all the lead vocals, yeah. Oh, amazing. I'll check, I will check that out, because if it's uh, the Firehouse guitarist doing firehouse kind of stuff, I'm going to like yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, you like it. And like I said, some of the other albums he's had, just been like all the traditional blues type thing. And then he had one of uh, covers he did. Um, but this one's all originals. Yeah, it's great. Nice. So yeah, enjoy it. Um, now, just had a couple other questions, if that's all right, if you've got a bit of time. Sure, man. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I noticed the band, yeah, they're celebrating the 40th anniversary, Sisters of Mercy. So do you remember when you first got into them? Yeah, it was 1994. Okay. And I, my, I, I had... I still have an uncle who's only eight years older than me. So he's always, he was always like a big brother to me. And, and, and I, he got me into pretty much everything, music, films, movies, books, video games that I'm still into today. Mm. And um, one of the, he just, he just played me um, a song called When You Don't See Me from the Vision Thing album in 1994. And I was just blown away. I was like, what, like, this is amazing. It's, it's like this, huge well-produced classic rock but it's dark and it's mysterious and it's intelligent and it's weird it's not just like bombastic and silly yeah, yeah. Um, but it's got all the production values of that bombast that i like of of, of def leopard and, and all the big bands and um and then that was it i was like this is amazing this is incredible and also the 90s was a weird time for me particularly the early to mid 90s of trying to find my place musically because I'd, I'd grown up listening to all this great 80s rock and suddenly it just wasn't cool to like that anymore. Yeah. You had to like, you, you had to like all this kind of terrible indie music or, um, and it seemed like things had either gone too far the one way or the other. Like what was credible in alternative music now was either really kind of limp, nothing indie music or really, really over the top, heavy, aggressive metal. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was nothing really in between. And I didn't, I just find that kind of really heavy music. There wasn't any charm to it. It was kind of almost this sort of masculine rage. And then this very limp music, there wasn't any drive to it and there wasn't any feel. Mm. And I found it really hard to be part of any kind of musical group as a kid, as a teenager, because I was still listening to, to I was still walking around doing my paper round, listening to like Winger. And yet, if everybody else was like laughing at me, like, why are you looking, listening to these stupid 80s bands? You should be listening to what we're listening to Red yeah. Hot Chili Peppers, Rage Against the Machine, like, or all or, 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 or these like fucking ocean colour scene, all these like really limp indie bands. Yeah. And you'd watch, you'd, you'd turn on the, the one or two places you could go to for uh, alternative music, rock music, and there'd just be nothing out there for you because it would just be so. And it wasn't until I heard the sisters and I was like, well, that's, you know, this is a credible band, a relevant band that is actually good 
this helps me with my sense of identity as a teenager that I can proudly go, I like this band and not have everyone go, what? Why do you like that? <laughs> um, so that was a really important part for me. The sisters helped me have that sense of musical identity, which I then also got with bands like the Wild Hearts and Therapy, Three Colours Red, Ricky Warwick, The Almighty, um, Nine Inch Nails, and a bunch of other bands that I, I found in the mid 90s, which still had power and production and drive and anger, and yet were still melodic and anthemic and had a sense of charm to them. Yeah. So in, how did you get the job in the, in the band? Um, I got a phone call one day and um, from a guy who wouldn't tell me who he was or what band he was calling on behalf of. He was just a mysterious guy. <laughs> and I was very sceptical because he was asking me if I wanted to audition for his band. He had all this tour booked and I was like, who's this? Why is he not telling me who he is? He's probably just making it up. <laughs> and I spoke to a few people at the time that I knew who were kind of in the industry and they said, well, sometimes if a band is of a certain scale and they have, they don't want people to know they're missing a member or looking for a new member for various reasons. Um, and so I thought, well, okay, well, I'll go along to this audition. I don't know what I'm going for, but what the guy on the phone told me, he said, well, we're like a mixture of Motorhead and U2, so bring some Hendrix riffs. Uh, okay. okay. Uh, so I got this really like cheap bus that you called the mega bus, which is like a pound. <laughs> to go up to this up to this uh, this to do this rehearsal to this audition walked into the room didn't know who i was still who i was auditioning for because although i was a fan of the band i hadn't really followed them closely for the last sort of five ten years um i didn't know who the current members were or anything like that and so i uh there was another guitarist there he started playing some chords and said can you just jam some solos over this so i did that uh and then he said can you can you play these riffs and he started playing riffs at me and i can't read music but i'm very good at picking things up by ear okay. so he played these riffs which i retrospectively realized were un unreleased sisters songs yeah. but they still had a sisters kind of quality to them which as a musician i'll be able to explain to you is the use of the the, the minor sixth yep. in the riffs mm. they just had this kind of get the guitar again just anything that's got this kind of kind of feel to it yeah this this but this particular riff was was um was this it, and it was this yeah. that made me think wow that's very kind of sisters of mercy vibe uh. um maybe this is the sisters of mercy um and so i just thought well maybe it is it probably isn't but if i just play a famous riff by them right now and see if anybody reacts maybe that will be my answer wow. so i played i played one of their famous riffs and one of the guys goes that's one of our songs oh, and i was yeah. like oh my god and i was suddenly so nervous my hand i remember it vividly Adam. my hands were shaking and i was like oh, i can't play anymore i can't play but i'd already had half an hour to be just like well who were these guys whatever <laughs> Um, oh, which was great in retrospect. I, I really appreciate the fact that I, I was able to be relaxed in that situation. Mm. Had it been, you're going to join, this is your chance to join Sister the Mercy. This is a chance to change your life. Yeah. Maybe I, I, I would have been very, very nervous. Um, <laughs> That's incredible. And then a couple of, couple of days later, they just called me up and said, yeah, we, we want you to, to be in the, in the band. And I went from just working in a, in a store um, yeah. to then getting on a tour bus to, yeah, at LAX to drive to Vegas to do the first wow. show. It was a really kind of quick change of things. But yeah, that was um, 
I still feel very lucky that all, everything fell into place for me to have that opportunity. Yeah, that's incredible. So do you remember how that guy got your number, the, the one that called you? Um, well, the guy who called me was actually Andrew Eldridge. It was, it was, it, I later discovered it was oh, really? the singer. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> um, it wasn't like a manager or anything. It was him. Oh. Um, <laughs> and I still don't really know. I still don't really know. I know that at the time I had a MySpace page, which was linked to um, a website called Muso Finder, which was somewhere where you just list yourself oh. as a musician and stuff. And my MySpace page, I had two songs on there where I'd written and recorded everything. Mm. And I cited a whole bunch of influences. And one of those influences was the Sisters of Mercy. So okay. I imagine he, he must have put all that together. I don't yeah. know how he got how he found my MySpace page in the first place. <laughs> but um, but, uh, but the, the, one, the one intriguing thing that happened that's really memorable about that initial stage of, of the process was that he phoned me, let's call it the Tuesday, and he said, I'll phone you back tomorrow, Wednesday at two o'clock. And I missed the call by about 30 seconds. Oh, no. Instantly tried to phone back. But the phone, he wouldn't pick up. It was going to what sounded like fax machine. <laughs> and I kept trying to phone and it was just fax machine. I was like, right. I walked up the road to the internet cafe and sent the only fax I've ever sent in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> that said... They said, hey, it's Ben, the guitarist. I'm really interested if you still want to speak to me. And instantly, after he got the facts, he phoned me straight away. And apparently, that was the cusp of me almost losing the job. Wow. But because I showed the initiative to send the facts, it, it kind of won, won me the place. That's <laughs> amazing. That's incredible. What a story. Wow. Thank you, Ray. And the other quick question I've got before you is, I did read that you... When you very first started, you um, got to amplify a lady from Tony Iommi. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Yeah. Um, I didn't actually have an amp at the time. I'd had, um, actually, this was the only amp I had. You see this? this yeah, the this, Yeah, that's the same one that I had as a teenager. Okay. But it, we were starting, with my band, we were starting to play actual gigs where you need an actual amp. Yep. So I was I was borrowing one off someone, um, like a, uh, like I think it was a, Jack, um, I can't remember what it was, a lane, and it wasn't Lane, it was anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. and what happened was that the local scene that we were playing on, one of the other bands that we would regularly play with, his uncle was Tony Iommi's manager. Okay. So, this guy in the other band gave our album of my band yeah. to his uncle, who started was like really into us and started actually helping us out. And, 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 and one of the things he did was he said, Ben, you haven't got an amp have one of Tony's um, and it's even got fire damage on it from Pyro. I don't and I, it's oh. so so difficult for me to talk about it but basically what happened is I, he's, I, I don't really know what happened but I think what happened was I left it in this rehearsal place where I believed it was locked up and I think somebody there who had access to it sold it. Oh no. Uh, but I have no proof, and I don't know who that was. Or, but it, one day it was there, one day it wasn't, and uh, it's heartbreaking, really, because uh, it wasn't even like I was. It wasn't even like I was stupid or just like left it somewhere. It was in a lockup in a rehearsal yeah. room. Someone had access to it. Someone sold it. So, someone must have known. They must have known Tony Iommi. <laughs> yeah, they must have known. So uh, wherever it is now, whoever's got it probably doesn't even know that's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Incredible. That's great. So if there's anyone out there with a Laney G100 head with fire damage on it, that's what it is. It's mine. 
Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's right. Yeah, the word's out there now. <laughs> uh, that's excellent. No, but uh, thanks very much again for this. And um, yeah, hopefully when you guys down here, hopefully we can try and catch up. Yeah, man, absolutely, dude. And good luck with everything. Yeah, good, great talking to you. Thanks for doing all the research that you did as well. I appreciate it. No, no, no worries. That no, was really interesting. And just finding out all those different things it was great. Awesome, dude. All right. I'll catch up all right, man. All right, see you then. Cheers, right, bye -bye. Adam. Bye. Bye, man.